I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except that we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today. Uh, ate out for dinner, which is rare. I've been cooking dinner for like two weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was up uh, taking care of my mom. She had knee replacement surgery, so... Um, thoughts and prayers with her as she recovers. It's been very painful, but PT, very thankful for physical therapy. <laughs> physical therapy is great. Uh, we're back. Yes, we're we back took a long break. <laughs> yeah, it, it may not seem like it, but we like... We just took a week, I think. Even our last episode, I believe, uh, we recorded early. Real early. And released it on, on a schedule. So... So it's been a while since we've actually talked uh, movies and so many movies have come out in that time yeah that we can't even cover them all on this episode so so we're gonna we're gonna try to do our best in like catching up and you know sure. get our thoughts out on some of the movies that have come out today yeah. we're gonna tackle two movies that's right and and we'll work our way towards uh, trying to catch up on some of this but also meantime, congratulations to Rico because Rico started a new job today. <laughs> That is true. I did start a new job. I will be working for the mouse, hey. uh, a.k.a. Walt Disney World. So, yes, I did start a new job. Thank you so much, Jessica. Appreciate yes. it. Uh, so with all good tidings and all congratulatory messages all out of the way, yep. we could go ahead and we could get started. Uh, but before we do, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come say hi on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support for as little as $2 a month. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. So the first movie that we're going to talk about today is a biopic, and that is King Richard. Yes. So, Jessica, let us know, what is King Richard about? The letterbox synopsis reads, Richard Williams serves as a coach to his daughters, Venus and Serena, who will soon become two of the most legendary tennis players in history. It's directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green and written by Zach Balin. So the movie does star Academy Award nominee Will Smith. Yes, uh, and we'll producer, see or executive producer, maybe? Executive producer yeah. of the movie. He has his own production company. He plays the the title character, Richard Williams. Uh, joining him in the cast is, Angene, I believe it's Angene Ellis, who mm. plays his wife in the movie Brandy Williams, or, or a scene Brandy Williams. Uh, we have John Bernthal, who's Rick Macy, who plays the legendary coach. And then we have Venus and Serena themselves uh, being portrayed uh, by Sania Sidney and Demi Singleton, respectively. Mm -hmm. So this is a movie that came out a couple weeks ago. It was released on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. Yeah, it's a Warner the, the Brothers movie. It is. And so it opened to a $5.4 million domestic opening. That weekend, uh, right now, up to this date that we're talking, uh, it's made $11.3 million overall. Critics pretty much like it. Why don't you let us know what critics thought about this movie? It's sitting at a 90% critic score and a 98% audience score. This is universally liked, basically. Yeah, the much. critics' consensus reads, King Richard transcends sport biopic formulas with refreshingly nuanced storytelling and a towering performance from Will Smith in the title role. Audience consensus reads, Largely thanks to Will Smith's terrific performance in the title role, King Richard is an entertaining and inspirational story of parental perseverance. That's that's a lot of words there. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about it. What were your thoughts on King Richard? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't have too many major complaints. It is definitely one of those movies that showcases an imperfect person, right? Um, and this father 
for Venus and Serena is bizarre. Like he's his antics, the way he speaks to the press, especially is off the wall and you root for him. But also, you know, you see his flaws and you're like, oh, like, I don't know. So I thought that was rather interesting, considering that Venus and Serena both watch a two hour cut of the movie and end up giving their full support for it. And were ended up listing themselves as like producers or executive producers of the movie. Yes. So um, it does have their stamp of approval. And they felt that Will Smith did a really great job portraying their dad, that it was kind of weird and scary to see him as their dad. Um, that being said, it's not my favorite biopic by any stretch. Um, and I think that's it. That's pretty much it. For me, I generally, the last thing that I'll say is I felt it was weird to give Venus and Serena Williams, one of the best athletes of all time, to give their father a biopic, right? Instead of them, right? Instead of them. Very interesting. Um, That kind of threw me. But other than that, it, mostly positive for me. I find the movie itself a bit formulaic, which is weird because um, Mm -hmm. that was the critics consensus states that it's a refreshingly nuanced storytelling. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That transcends sports biopic formulas. I I don't don't think think it's refreshingly nuanced at all. If it's nuanced, I think they just mean that it's not a perfect person. Right. It's not this is not a beloved person. This isn't Princess Diana like we were talking about in Spencer. This isn't someone who everyone has an idea of who they are and what their story is. This is nuanced in the way that it's almost a nobody. It's not Venus. It's not Serena. It's their father. It's their father. He did make a name for himself coming up the ranks in sports. So we can't say, at least for me and for people who uh, know sports, you know, the name Richard Williams is very familiar uh, because he made sure. himself a presence. Sure. Um, but me, the average person yep. who is more familiar with his daughters, right? And yeah, their legacy and their impact on sports and tennis specifically. Um, yeah, I don't really know about Richard Williams in that way. I didn't yeah, grow up like watching Venus and Sabrina as children and seeing their dad giving interviews and all this stuff, you know? So it's a little, I'm removed from this. Right. No, I, I completely get it. Completely get it. Uh, I will say though, it still follows a lot of the basic tropes that you get in a biopic Mm -hmm. when it comes, especially a sports one where you see a lot of times the rough beginnings of, you know, usually humble beginnings of where the sports star starts and their rise through, you know, becoming who they are. And usually the movie treats it in a very meta way because it kind of references what's going to happen in the future by talking about, you know, the, the, the athlete in that moment of like, Oh, this person's going to, do xyz it's the uh you know the weird prophetic aspect of these biopics that they are like well i'm gonna be somebody you know i have the talent i can make it and everyone's telling them no you don't you can't make it and you're never gonna amount to anything and then they persevere (laughs) like the uh the audience consensus says story of parental perseverance and uh, they prove everyone wrong. That's a basic biopic formula. And um, it does culminate in like a a life-changing um, match, right, at the very end of the movie, which Correct. is very similar to other biopics where there's like an almighty performance, essentially. Right. And that is very true. But again, um, the way the movie has to go, they have to follow real life. So... <laughs> So they can't just make up, you know, a, a match for her to do because then people can just fact check. Right. Yeah. And be like, well, she never participated in that tournament or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but overall, I think that Will Smith's performance is is the driving force of this movie. 
For sure. And it, it's a little bit eccentric in in some bits because that's what of I'm, like that's what I touched on earlier is that this guy was and is right. He is weird. Like he's it's very unexpected how he um, is he puts himself forward. Right. And Will Smith does a really good job of capturing that nature of Richard Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that you can watch Will Smith and you can be, you know, glued to his performance just because you're you're trying to see what he's doing with the character as the movie goes. Uh, whether it's during good times when he's laughing, but he still has like that bit of almost like a uh, chip on his shoulder. <laughs> I wasn't even go chip on his uh, shoulder. I was going to go more of like uh, a snake oil salesman. You know, like he's he's always <laughs> trying to maybe I'm saying the term wrong, but uh, but basically like he's always looking for a way of uh, propping up his own. Uh, thing right he's always selling he's always selling yes he's very vain and self-centered but also tries desperately to be humble and to instill that sense of um, humbleness in his own children even though he knows and he expects and he has trained them to be the best that is correct so overall the movie itself is a fine telling of the things that happened in the early part of the Williams sisters career Mm -hmm. told through the perspective of their father, which for the average moviegoer, or let me, let me rewind for the average sports watcher. Maybe at first someone, someone like you just doesn't know anything about Richard Williams. Yeah. Uh, but could come away with at least some idea of who this person was. and But more importantly, the performance that Will Smith gives, if it's impactful enough to leave a mark on a person. Um, I, th- I found myself gravitating toward the mom a lot, which was um, Anjanui. I don't know how yeah. to say her name. But she yeah. played... Uh, or seeing Brandy Williams, and I found her just like riveting. Like I loved loved her playing off of Will Smith. A lot of the time, I felt she was standing toe to toe, and um, really just a powerful um, female figure. Yeah, she was because the the movie, at least you going into it, if, if you have any idea, is that. Richard is the driving force behind his daughter's lives, mm-hmm. but uh, we never really hear too much about the mother who who was also there. Mm-hmm. And this movie does give, you know, the mother a chance to shine a bit as more of a force of nurturing. It's still being tough with the kids, but versus Richard, Richard is has basically game planned the life of his children versus the uh the mother the mother is still protective of them and still pushes them but is much more caring much more nurturing understands that the children need to be able to you know live a life and you know do things themselves but they, she's it can't also, all be planned out she also is very um just like the voice of common sense where will smith's richard is making decisions unilaterally instead of discussing them with his wife, the mother of his children. So she really calls him out on his bullshit the whole movie, which is, I love that. (laughs) Yes, she does the entire time. It's great seeing that back and forth between those two characters. So, uh, again, the, the sports parts of the movie... Are, are fine. There, there's nothing too much wrong with them. I think that the movie kind of tries to crescendo into a moment into Venus's career, which this was interesting to me, is that this movie spends so much time on Venus. Yeah. And I think the average person knows Serena more than Venus. Yes. Right. In today, I mean, you know, 
Serena's still in uh, commercials and has the big sponsorships. She's still semi-playing and um, had a high-profile wedding. She was in a Beyonce music video. Like, she's very visible versus Venus, who seems a little more private. Right. Um, But, again, this... Venus being the older sister, you know, she was the one that was pushed first. She came first. up first, yeah. Exactly. So so as the movie went along, I, I started getting why Venus was the one that got more attention. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a little bit of a choice uh, that the Williams sisters approved of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could have been some negotiation of having Venus have a little more of a presence in this movie when people probably were expecting Serena to carry mm-hmm. like the story along more than Venus. Right. Right. So that, that could have been it. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that, that we can touch on spoilers? Because I don't know if this movie is really a is very spoiler really heavy type spoiler? of movie. No. I mean, this is not a, I mean, what can we possibly talk about in spoilers? Right, exactly. That, because this is all a real life type of story. I, I think for the most part, everything here is kind of. Well, was there any, uh, you know, favorite, uh, scene or something like that, that you had? Okay. So yeah, then we could do that. It'll be a brief Brief spoiler spoiler section section for Cool. For King Richard. So we'll go ahead and talk spoilers for King Richard right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the spoilers for King Richard. Uh, You mentioned favorite scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite scene off the top of your head? I do, and it's when the first coach comes to see them at the house after he rejects a uh, basically a sponsorship from um, like these very rude coaches. And like a broker, essentially. Yes. And he comes to the house and he's like, what what are you doing? This is what you're. we've been working up to is for you to actually get the help you need financially to support the girls and stuff. And he says, like, no, this is when he reveals that um, they are not going to do juniors anymore. They're not going to compete until they're ready and they got to be kids and all this shit. And then he leaves and the mom tells him, don't you think you should have discussed this with me before making this decision? And she goes like, you made a fool out of me and all this stuff. And I just I really enjoyed that scene because she puts him back in his place. You know, this isn't like the King Richard show. This is like a family affair and I should be involved in the creation of their career at this point, their children. It, so, it That's a very I good like scene. That. Yeah. For sure. Um, but she was like quiet the whole time when he's talking and then the guy leaves and she's like unleashes. I appreciate that. I think that's very smart, you know, of a decision. Yeah, because I don't think it was necessary for like, you know, a, a typical movie if they're trying to get people recognized for acting. Right. You know, there wasn't an outburst. Right. That's what you come to expect in in a scene like that. Um, so yeah. it was it was good that it was restrained. It was good, and then she also says like, "Don't mistake my silence for a- approval." Yep. Yeah. Good stuff right there. <laughs> um, I think. What's your favorite? Uh, for me, I think that when it comes to giving Venus the choice, uh, when Nike comes in before the oh, tournament. Yeah. And they like want to sign her like right there on the spot. They come in with a three million dollar deal. Great offer, but yeah, the fact that they want to like shut the deal down like tonight, like they want it done. Yeah, this offer is like only available tonight. Right, so they know the value, and they're trying to get it on the cheap. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, you don't have to convince me. You have to convince her. And yeah. leaving it in Venus's hands after everything we've seen, because he, Richard was Been so very controlling. controlling. Exactly. Yeah. So relinquishing that control to his daughter, knowing that his daughter mm-hmm. can make a decision because she yeah. knew she was ready to play. She knew she, she could do these things. So now him entrusting her with, hey, this is your livelihood, so you it's your decision to make. Hmm. So I, I really appreciated that scene. That was a really good scene. Plus, John Birdthaw is like, this is what we did. And like he's like all of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It it's yeah. it's so great. So uh so those were that was my favorite scene, I think, throughout the entire movie. Um but again I do like the final, like, you know, the tension when the player decides to go like to use the bathroom in the final and ice's venus oh yeah that is a that whole up until the end i'm like oh my that God. is a dirty trick but there's nothing they so can do dirty. there's nothing they can do no it's perfectly legal within the game but yeah yep. she threw off her momentum she threw off her group completely threw it off completely <laughs> uh quick this uh, discussion uh, do you think will smith gets a nomination from this no. You don't think so? I don't think it's flashy enough. I think it is. You think it is? Yeah. I mean, he could very well get a nom. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I think the nomination might be like easy to say nomination, yes. Whether he wins, I don't know. But yeah. nominating, I think this is... For King Richard, yeah. Yeah, the, and so, you know... The Oscars it's love classic Oscar yeah. fodder. Hey, he's portraying a real life person that we know. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, so you know, so that father fodder right there. Plus, like the interest, the intricacies that he like does. Well, not intricacies, eccentricities is what I meant. Yes, that yeah. he brings to the character, the way he portrays it. The those things are the ones that call out to the academy and their voting body so uh so yeah i can see a nomination out of it Mm -hmm. um other than that though i think there there's not really much else although us i mean the movie ends in its typical biopic fashion which is Mm -hmm. hey let's catch you up on the real life person with (laughs) a bunch of like epilogue epilogue text. text yep and so, yeah. I mean, the the story of the Williams sisters after they became pro, for the most part, is pretty well told. Um, mm-hmm. Serena may be the best; she may be the best tennis player ever, and mm-hmm. that time. is regardless of gender, uh, because I believe she has won the most Grand Slam titles of any tennis player, and she was. Did she win while pregnant? Now I'm now. Oh, I can't remember. I know she was playing while uh, pregnant, but I c- yes, couldn't yes, remember yes. if she won. I think she won Wimbledon, if I'm not mistaken, while pregnant. Like she was early in her pregnancy, but she won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's Serena Williams, uh, the mm-hmm. greatest tennis player of all time. So, yes. All right, so I believe we can wrap up our discussion on King Richard. On that note. Yes. Uh, so before we uh, say goodbye, we have another movie that we're going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> so stay right there and we'll be right back with Ghostbusters Afterlife. All right, so we are back with the second movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, this is the, I guess I want to say, reboot sequel, I guess. I think it's a sequel to the first movie from 1984. From 1984. Yeah, that makes yeah. the most sense. So, Jessica, why don't you tell us what this Ghostbusters is all about? 
The IMDb synopsis reads, when a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connections to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. It is directed by Jason Reitman. He is the son of the original producer slash director Ivan Reitman of the uh, 1984 movie. And then it is written by Gil Keenan, Jason Reitman. And, of course, they're giving credit to Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, the original screenwriters of the 1984 Ghostbusters movie. Yes. And so this version of Ghostbusters stars Carrie Coon, Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, uh, McKenna Grace, Logan Kim, and a bunch of other people. We'll get to them Mm -hmm. later on as we discuss this. So... The movie itself had a pretty strong opening, $44 million when it opened up a couple weeks ago, same weekend as King Richard. It is currently sitting at $87.5 million overall. Wow. Now, how about the critical response, Jessica? Okay, so the Rotten Tomatoes score is 63%, rather low, and then the audience score is way up at 95%. That's a drastic difference between the critics and the audience. The critics' consensus reads, Ghostbusters Afterlife crosses the streams between franchise revival and exercise in nostalgia. And this time around, the bustin' mostly feels good. Audience consensus reads, a great cast, a fast-paced story, and tons of callbacks to the original movies make Ghostbusters Afterlife fun for fans of the franchise. Okay, so there's a discussion to be had here. Um, Oh, okay. So, obviously, this is treating itself as a sequel to the original Ghostbusters. Um, That has not been the only movie that we've had in recent memory uh, that was named Ghostbusters, and that's talking about the the one that was made a few years ago. It was an all-female reboot of Ghostbusters and that one was panned critically panned (laughs) by fans it was panned I hated it personally you hated it I didn't think it was all that great um and I know a lot of the discussion was you know like why did it have to be made you know the real conversation was that a lot of people didn't really like the fact that it was remade with an all-woman cast Oh, that was the least of I didn't um, give a shit that that was the least of the was, issue. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. even the issue. I think that the problem was that they just didn't know what to do when they said, "Hey, let's make Ghostbusters, but all women." And then yes. they were like, "Yes," and then they didn't know what else to do after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the problem. Um, this movie, I think, is a better way of being able to if you're going to treat the whole ghostbusters legacy you know with any type of reverence and i put that Mm -hmm. in quotations (laughs) i i would say this is probably the better way of going about Mm -hmm. it you tie it to the original story you have connective tissue between them uh so what you're dancing around something just go ahead and whatever it is you're about to say just say it okay so (laughs) I'm not a fan of Ghostbusters. Oh, no. I... Here's the thing. I think it's... For me, I guess it's overrated because I think... just There's just been so much hype about the movie, right? And... Another little secret of mine that I didn't watch Ghostbusters until recently. Like, in, in its totality. I had seen so many parts of the movie over the years that I, I knew the movie pretty much from you're killing me, but there were moments that I was missing here and there. So I re I watched the movie in its entirety. Recently. Rico, you're, ki- you're killing me smalls. And I got to say when people like mention the great movies of the 1980s, you know, they Raiders back to the future, Ghostbusters. I don't know why that one's in- <gasps> included in the mix. What? There's a lot of people that are going to. So here's the thing: this is not an Oscar bait kind of movie. It is not a drama. It is clearly the other ones that I mentioned are not. It is clearly a um, what's the word? Campy. Yeah, 
this is a campy movie. Like to Very me, when true. people are like, oh, it, this is a campy movie. Like, yeah, it doesn't take itself too seriously and it knows what it is. It's got Bill Murray in the cast. I mean, come on. Um, and it's a quirky sci-fi comedy. Yes, I will agree so, with you on that. I feel like a lot of people don't like the comedy and that's fine. The comedy's fine. I generally love Ghostbusters. Like I grew up on Ghostbusters. I think so. People sold have... me on the comedy so much. What sold you on the comedy? People sold me on the comedy, people saying like, "Oh, it's it. like one of the best comedies." And like when you watch it, I'm just like, eh. "Okay, look." So like comedy, everything is subjective. So like I'm yeah. not going to sit here and say that everyone's going to go for the same movie. Like it's it's not going to be that way, but. I can see where you're coming from that you feel it's overrated. I find it really funny. I find mm -hmm. it almost endearing. I think it's stupid and <laughs> like outlandish. And yeah, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And that's what I love about it. Right. So that brings me to this movie. This movie is, the, I think the best way I could describe this movie is not Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's Ghostbusters Stranger Things is really the best way to describe yes, this movie. It's got a 1980 Spielberg feeling to it because it's got the kids right and center. And also helps that one of the kids from Stranger Things is in this is movie in as it. well. <laughs> um, but it does have like that plucky young kid adventure, which we don't get a lot of. I, I, I did appreciate that about the movie. Um, and, and, a a cool adventure for kids. That's not like secretly like, Ooh, this is really like an adult theme type of thing. Kind of like a uh, good boys. Remember from a couple oh, of years yeah, ago yeah, 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 yeah. where, yeah, it's kids doing these things, but it's like really almost towards rated adults. X. Yeah, yeah. It's like rated to geared toward adults really. Yeah. But this movie was not. This is really like an actual, like a family action comedy type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. Uh, I did like the ties between the past and the present. Um, I I think there's a big problem with this movie, though. And it is in the final act. And... I am so curious. Do you want to talk about your issue in spoiler section? We will talk about you it in do. spoilers. Okay. Because so you want to save it for spoiler section. We have to. Okay. Uh, so I, I'll i tell you my thoughts on Afterlife. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. Um, I don't think I laughed at everything. Like I could hear my dad laughing and the audience laughing at um, certain beats. And I wasn't quite laughing at it. But I genuinely felt that sense of that this is a Ghostbusters movie. You know what I'm saying? Um, the all-female Ghostbusters movie did not feel like it had the spirit of the original, and this one does. So I appreciate that. I love the cast. I don't care that Finn Wolfhard is from Stranger Things. Uh, I, I think that the callbacks are so plentiful as to be maybe too much. <laughs> um, there were a lot of Easter eggs in it, but I think that this movie has um, what the original Ghostbusters doesn't have, which is you're dealing with ghosts and then you're not talking at all about the reason or I guess not reason. It's not the right word, but like that these were all once people. Mm, I see. And um, it's easy to have like, you know, a hot dog eating <laughs> ghost and be like, oh, my God, it's a ghost. But like, no, but it's a dead person, really. So this movie goes into more of like the heart behind these apparitions, especially in one ap apparition in particular. So I like that it almost deals with grief way more than the other Ghostbusters movies. So that was a positive for me. Um, I again like the cast. It he cleaves heavily to the original plot line as well, which made me think of, you know, other movies that do that. Um, you know, uh, Force Awakens comes to mind with, oh yeah, it's a remake of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, whatever. It's still really good. 
I, I like that it sticks to the formula and it, it's, if it's not broke, you know what I'm saying? I, I would rather have a solid sequel that borrows heavily from the original plot than a really original all new sequel that doesn't have any appeal and doesn't quite know what to do. Right. I mean, I, I would say that's the purpose of a sequel. It has to tie to the original. It has to. So has to. I would say that my complaint is also in spoiler territory. So I will withhold that. Um, but I generally feel like this is the type of sequel that Ghostbusters fans really wanted. Um, I am a Ghostbusters fan and I hate sequels and I never asked for the sequel. Never wanted it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've read some things online saying like, I've really been waiting for a Ghostbusters sequel and XYZ, whether they love it or they hate it, they've been f- clamoring for a sequel. And I, d- that's beyond me. I don't know why people wanted a sequel, but um, here it is. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's pretty good as well. I, I agree with you on that sentiment. What what was the score that you gave this movie out of five? I think I gave it a three and a half. I also settled at a three and a half as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, overall enjoyable, funny, action's pretty good. Quibbles, we will get to those because they are spoiler filled. So we'll get to those and other spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I. Father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Do you want to talk about the issues or do you want to go into your favorite things first? No, let's talk about the issues. So my issue is that... um. Basically, the original movie is deals with, you know, this apocalyptic event that's going to happen um, at what, what's the building in New York? I can't remember what that building is called. I believe it's the Chrysler building. The Chrysler building in New York, which has dubious origins and is built in a certain way to foster the return of Gozer. Right. This like Sumerian god or goddess, depending on how you feel. And uh, they defeat Gozer in the first movie. And um, in this movie, Gozer is again the villain. But it's basically a site B kind of thing. Like New York was built and that's Isla Nublar. But then there's also this like middle of nowhere mountain where they mined the materials that created the Chrysler building. Pretty much. And... This site B is Isla Sorna, <laughs> and it's basically <laughs> another avenue for Gozer to come back and, you know, rule or what have you. Right. I felt that it made the original kind of superfluous because why would you have another elaborate, uh, you know, gateway or whatever you want to call it for the Sumerian god? <laughs> Like, what was the point of New York then if you had this, like, basically ancient pyramid of or a mine or what have you? And it did the same thing. Mm, I see. So that was my main complaint with the movie. Um, What was your main complaint? My main complaint is that the movie has a specific pace that it's going on throughout and even the action is pretty I can't even use the word grounded but it's smaller in mm-hmm. scale it's building it's building and then it just exponentially goes up to like this crazy you know the world's about to end and all this stuff and it's yes. a little it's Fast. a little numbing the whole CGI that of everything going on there so it, it it gets to that point where just your eyes kind of glaze and just like okay another apocalyptic event that they got. I stop. completely understand your your complaint. I I feel the same way, although not as um, intensely as you do. 
but it does feel like the movie is chugging along. It's giving the kids pop quizzes. You're getting assignments. You're getting homework. They're learning. And then all of a sudden, a final exam that's worth 90% of your grade. So (laughs) that's how it feels to come across this third act and have it be so high stakes, like within the context of, oh, there's going to be another apocalypse. Like I said before, Gozer's coming back. Like, how do we stop it? We just learned how to like use the equipment and uh, we don't even know about crossing beams and all that shit. Like it's um, a little bit too explosive. And um, sure, they do kind of make it seem like, um, what's his name? The one that died. Um, oh, um, st- crap. St- Stagler. Uh, Ramus's character. Um, yes, Harold Ramus's character. And Stagler? I forget his name. Stagler? Stagler? Oh, my God. We're going to have to look yeah, it up. Yeah, we're going to have to look it up. Um, here, you look it up and I'll just explain. So he, they basically set it up that he has been working toward um, keeping Gozer at bay and preparing uh, like a field for the capture of gozer's spirit or whatever ghosts in general which he believes are gonna converge on this tiny middle of nowhere town right so that is foreshadowed that is definitely part of the reason why it feels like the the climax of the movie is so like out of nowhere because you do get this foreshadowing you do get that harold ramus's character has been busy you know defending the earth um but then the kids have to like pull the trigger exactly this grand plan that they don't really fully understand either right um because does the movie do you think the movie does a good job for newer audiences explaining how exactly it kind of ties to the original or do you feel like it's just throwing stuff at you? And I don't think there's any handholding in this movie other no, than not. Paul Rudd's character. <laughs> right. He's doing a lot of the explaining of the original Ghostbusters. Like, oh, New York in the 80s. Oh, my God. It was crazy. And there were these guys and they were catching ghosts and then they disappeared. And, you know, he's doing all of this exposition dump so that whoever has never heard or seen a Ghostbusters movie can keep up. Right, exactly. You know, he's the, he's the um, not audience surrogate, but the kids are the audience surrogate for a raw Ghostbusters, you know, person in the audience. The kids don't have any idea what happened in the 80s. <laughs> and, you know, you get YouTube videos of like... <laughs> Do you hear loud sounds in the middle of the night? And like <laughs> the, the ad for Ghostbusters, we're right. ready to believe you. Like it, It's fun to see it as a fan in this context of like it's an obscure portion of like YouTube and the Internet that like no one really returns to or talks about anymore. Um, But for people who don't know, this is like essential. <laughs> It is. It is essential. So, uh, but yeah, th- that was my my biggest problem with the actual movie itself. I th- I think that I was enjoying it so much, like just throughout its, because it's going along a very good pace throughout. I I enjoy that big, well, that main action sequence in the middle of the movie where they're driving around the town, and they're trying to capture the ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the fun. muncher. Yes, the muncher. <laughs> Uh, that was fun throughout that that part. Um, I think that um, the younger kids, obviously, we have um, the girl who plays McKenna Grace, Mc- plays Phoebe, and then there's Logan Kim. He plays podcast. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so McKenna Grace's Phoebe is the granddaughter of Egon Spengler. Egon Spengler, Spengler that's it. Yeah. And so they, you know, they end up at this house. She's precocious, but she's really smart, you know, but she's socially awkward. But mm-hmm. it's enjoyable because 
you know, they try to make her funny, but in like an awkward way, like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, she comes up with jokes and they're all like falling flat. But as an <laughs> audience member, you're like laughing because of how bad they are. You yeah. Know? So like things like that. Podcast is a fun, you know, character to have alongside. I love podcast. He is great. A great side by side with such a character like Phoebe. Um, Paul Rudd in this movie He's the Rick Moranis of this movie. He is. He is. Uh, and oh, God. it almost feels like, you know what? Let's let's just get him in here. You know, he's Paul Rudd. Just he's a seismologist. He's a seismologist. Uh, and then teaching you know, summer school, teaching summer school to a bunch of kids. In the most so, bogus summer school. He's just showing them horror movies all day long. Yeah. Cujo. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! I thought he was gonna put Mac in me. Oh, I had this, I had dude. this oh, thought no. that if he put in the movie and the VHS was Mac and me, memoedo, memoedo. I was dead. like fully expecting it. I almost started crying in the theater of laughing yeah. at the thought that he would put Mac and me on for, the for the kids. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Paul Rudd <laughs> used to have a basically a gimmick that every time he would go on Conan O'Brien's talk show. He would, you know, show off a clip to his movie. But the thing is, he would always switch out the clip for the same clip from a movie from the 1980s called Mac and Me. <laughs> and it's this scene where a kid is like rolling off of a, a little canyon on his wheelchair, <laughs> falling into like a ravine. And it is every single time. And he promises Conan that, no, I promise it's not that one. I have to show a real scene. And then when they cut to the clip... It's the same exact <laughs> scene. It's hilarious. So yeah, that would have oh, been God. such a that oh, would have been an God. Easter egg right there. Yes. For people oh, if shit. he just starts playing Mac and me. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then you know he plays the Paul Rudd plays the love interest to Carrie Coon, uh, character, um, who's Phoebe's mom. So it's just like having the parents or the adult figures, you know. Go away from the yeah. main plot so the kids can do their thing. And then you have the older brother who is Finn Wolfhard, um, Stranger Things actor. You know, he has his own side adventure. You know, he's a hold on. He, I think he's 15. He tries he's to 15, play but off. said he's 17. Yeah. You know, interested in a girl and all that stuff. So like little side adventures, but your main focus is Phoebe and podcast, you know, with Mm -hmm. the whole thing that they're trying to do. My parents want to call me podcast now. Oh, my God. I was like, I will not. I will not not be accepting this. (laughs) Do not speak this into the world. No. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's talk. I would say like the big thing that happens in this movie, besides obviously the. The world ending J.K. Simmons as a zombie. Sure, that's the <laughs> next biggest thing. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. that was a little done, bit surprising. Yes, and they could have done without it completely. They didn't even need it. No, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, and then the the actual, you know, ghost goddess. Um, why am I blanking? Yeah, is played by Olivia Wilde, right? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. We looked it up. My sister was convinced it was Olivia Wilde. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. Okay. But it was an Olivia Wilde lookalike. Oh, my God. Did she look like Olivia Wilde so much? Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But yeah, given to say that it looks exactly like her, but it's not. Mm, It's not. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the big thing in this movie is that the original Ghostbusters do show up in this movie. Yeah. So this is a little bit um, like the story in the movie kind of mimics what happened in real life because there really was a falling out between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray Mm -hmm. right after Groundhog Day. And they didn't speak for like 20 years. Right. And then Harold Ramis was in the process of, of dying. He was on his deathbed. And Bill Murray shows up to reconcile with him with like, I think the story is a box of donuts and a police escort, <laughs> just in case. And um, 
I think Harold Ramis couldn't even speak at that point. So Bill Murray did most of the talking and they did make amends um, just before Harold Ramis passed. And in this movie. Okay, you have this face. (laughs) No, no, keep going. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in this movie, there is a huge falling out between Harold Ramis and the rest of the Ghostbusters. And it's basically mimicking real life. Like now, obviously, Harold Ramis's character is dead, but, you know, they reconcile with him as a ghost and, you know, say, you know, they were sorry and for not believing in him and um, basically coming too late, you know, for for him. Right. Exactly. They they missed out on being able to reach out to him. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a very meta type of moment. Mm-hmm. If you know the real life story that's going on between these actors, um, you know, it, it was great seeing them, the cast come out like the original I four it. four. Like it, I it do was not great. give a shit that it's fan service. I was here oh, for it. <laughs> yeah, it's pure fan service, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, but but like, I'm a fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, f- I feel good about it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, very enjoyable. You know, uh, Bill Murray comes out swinging with jokes very easily. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and so, you know, they make all the callbacks, crossing the streams, they all this stuff. Are you they, a god? Right. <laughs> and then exactly. he, they're like, answer correctly, answer correctly. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd's like, yes. <laughs> Tentatively says, yes, he's a god. Um, everyone's back. Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, um, Bill Murray, they're all back. Yeah, they all come back. Uh, they do their thing. And, of course, they defeat. Uh, now, here's the thing. So okay. you said Gozer. It, 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 okay. So here's the thing about Gozer in this movie. So Gozer okay. is portrayed in two different ways in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she is portrayed as the spirit of Gozer. Mm-hmm. I guess like in ghost-like form before she takes like a physical form. She is portrayed by an actress called Emma Portner. And she is voiced okay. by uh, Shore Ag- Agdashlu, which I've seen her before. You've seen her and she has a deep voice and she's an Iranian actress and she's stunning. Right. But when she takes physical form towards the end of the movie. Is it? Is it, it is uncredited Olivia Wilde. Why is it uncredited? Because she's not in the credits listed as Gozer, but it is her. But it is, I don't it understand is. that. IMDb confirmed it. I don't understand that. I don't know. There's there's actors who do parts. They show up in a movie, but then it's like uncredited. It's like, okay. But cool. it's so clearly, oh man. It's so clearly weird. her. That's why like you even were like, it, it was her, but then you looked it up and it was like, no, it's not. Somebody no. else. Keep oh scrolling up on IMDb and you would have seen her. Holy crap. Yeah, so uh, Olivia Wilde does show up in this movie as Gozer. Uh, <laughs> so the movie has two stingers uh, at the yes. end. Yeah, uh, the, the first one is a playful back and forth with uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. I had a moment where I asked you, are there post credit sequences? You said, surprisingly, yes. And boom up on the screen it says on the credits with Sigourney Weaver and I said I screamed in there I was like where where is Sigourney Weaver and boom then they did the post-credit sequence exactly and And, uh, it was Bill Murray and her doing the cards (laughs) that he was testing his two students on at the beginning of Ghostbusters in 1984 from 1984 and then we get a second one a second uh uh, teaser or not teaser post credit sequence, um, but may- maybe it's a teaser because this is uh, they're following Ernie Hudson's character, yeah, and talking about what he's done so far, how he's a businessman, and then we see him go back to the fire. He'll always be a Ghostbuster, and he goes back to the firehouse, and the car, the uh, you know, the car pulls in. And I don't know if that's insinuating that maybe he's going to refurbish the place and, you know, bring it back. Um, And there's a ghost in the chamber. There is. There is a ghost in the chamber. So 
you know, there's possibilities here, especially with a movie. It, it was successful for, for what it did, um, especially during the time that we're living in. Um, that excuse is not going to be able to hold much longer. The whole like during this. Pandemic oh, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that excuse will not be able to hold much longer. Um, But overall, I think this is a very fun movie. Like, mm-hmm. I think that you can recommend it even to people who had never seen Ghostbusters. You could recommend it to because they do a pretty good job of bringing you up to speed as to, like, what they're doing, who the characters are from the original. And then they bring them. So, so you get to interact with them as the movie goes. So, overall, a fun, enjoyable romp. How did you feel about the Harold Ramis um, recreation? Ah, um, I think they did a pretty solid job with it. Uh, I was stunned. I was like, this looks like Harold Ramis it, it in does. the movie. Like, I honestly was questioning to myself, did they, were they able to film stuff for him? And I was like, no. They, they <laughs> he could've. died in 2014. Exactly. They I did was not. just like, yeah. no, that, that's silly. But a very good recreation of himself. They yeah, did a very likeness. good job. Yeah. And I, I did appreciate that they kind of saved that moment for the end because the movie is yes. like alluding to it throughout. Yeah. That but he's around, he's a ghost. He's around and he's a ghost. He's interacting with Phoebe. Exactly. And then interacting with his daughter, which is Phoebe's mother. Uh, he interacts with her for a little bit, like, you know, like pointing that he never forgot her. He he always kept his eye or, you know, always kept mind of her as time went on. So uh, little things like that, you know, show that the movie was very careful about how they were going to show, uh, you know, Stangler as no Stangler. Yes. How they're going to show him once it all went down mm-hmm. at the end. He loved her. Yeah. So I think. That's pretty much all I have on the movie. I think, okay. again, very enjoyable. Uh, you could recommend it to anyone. So anything else on either one of the movies that we touched upon tonight? Um, I'll say that I loved the tiny Stay Puffed <laughs> in the movie. I just yes. like adored <laughs> any time those things started popping up. <laughs> yeah, they were super cute. Uh, and the way they would just like basically kill each other. <laughs> yeah, they were like morbid ways. little stay puffed men. Oh, it was it was so funny. <laughs> uh, huge product placement for Walmart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> just giant. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, overall, very good stuff. Uh, the next episode that we're going to do. I think we'll be still us trying to catch up. Plus, who knows, maybe another movie uh, because there's still more movies to come down the pike. Uh, Mm. Movies that we have not talked about yet. Uh, There is Encanto, which I think is a movie that we definitely should talk about since you and I are both Hispanic. It's a pretty big deal. Also, uh, we have not touched on House of Gucci. I have seen it. (laughs) You have not. So... Yes, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Yes. And then there's going to be new movies coming out. I know that uh, a big Oscar contender is is making its way to Netflix this Wednesday. Uh, the Power of the Dog. This is a movie that stars Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Jesse Plemons, and Kirsten Dunst. And all of them are getting recognition from every, you know, film festival the movie is getting recognition so so maybe we'll talk about that one but yeah this is uh this is the season in which we uh, we put into high gear and yes. really <laughs> really attack these movies and just watch 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 so i uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this double feature again if you did enjoy it check us out on social media uh, we're at Always Critic Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you haven't signed up with us on your favorite podcast app, go ahead and do that now. Subscribe. Always the Critic Podcast. Search us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, many more. Uh, go ahead and consider becoming a patron. 
that way you could get involved in the show and show your support for as little as $2 a month. So you could check out our page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. Well, that has been it for this episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast. Always the Critic Podcast.